Hi, and welcome to Foul Puck, a podcast about sports ball for the rest of us. Unlike other sports ball podcasts, we talk about sports and the periphery without assuming that you out there listening to us know everything there no need mm-hmm, everything there is to know or that you need to know about deking and catching crabs. And before my co-hosts make sounds at me, I don't mean in a sexual way. <laughs> Baby, you took us right there. I wasn't gonna go. I know I did. <laughs> Oh, we're but off there's, to a rollicking good start today. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> so uh, so I'm, front. Yeah. So I'm your host today, Rebecca. I'm your hockey person. And for the for just a, a brief moment when I uh, explain my uh, intro, I will be your rowing person. And I'm joined oh. by my West Coast pals. In the green room, we have... Uh, I'm Nancy. I am your basketball enthusiast, and I'm actually back to being equal parts depressed and enthused about basketball this week. (laughs) There's actually news for me to respond to in multiple emotional ways. But I mean, enthused and depressed is a pretty good description of just about any sports fan. Well, it is. It is. And, and, And finally, there is something to react to from the Warriors, even, which there has not been in like... Nine. Well, on the one hand, like since basketball shut down in March, and on the other hand, since the 2019 championship finals in which we lost <laughs> Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson, because really the 2019 2020 season there was not much to respond to there either. Well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have Rachel do her introduction, and then we can get right into yep, that sorry. Warriors news. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. That's all right. I'm Rachel. I am your recovering baseball guru. Uh, the season's over and I'm recovering. Taking yeah. a few deep breaths. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of baseball all at once in a very there concentrated was. manner. That's true. And so my head's still spinning a little bit. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Meanwhile, I was looking at my calendar and I was like, oh, okay, in like a month I have to start like really paying attention to which night's basketball's on and like put that in my planner so that I make sure <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't have any conflicts. Okay. It's going to be, it's going to be all the nights, right? I Is mean, that, I mean, close quite. to it. They are, I mean, kind of, they are shortening the season. It's going to be mm-hmm. 72 games instead of 82 games. Um, and not, I don't, it's not hugely short. No, it's yeah. not hugely shortened. I mean, down by an eighth basically. Um, but yeah, so it's it's going to be compressed for sure. And I mean, I'm never somebody who tries to watch every single game. Like I don't, I I watch maybe a half <laughs> to two thirds. That's me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm every the crazy one who watches all the games for four oh, yeah. teams. Uh-huh. Yeah, bless your sweet little heart, Rebecca. I'm not. I'm not that person. But I do. Um, it's not something to aspire to. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I do tend to like read uh, synopses. This is not the opera. Uh, uh, <laughs> recaps. recaps. There we go. Recaps of every game, even if I don't watch them all, though. So, because I, I do like to know what happened. So, mm-hmm. no, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I can see that you're wearing uh, quite a bit of gold and blue today. <laughs> True. So, so, so let's let's just get right out there with it. Emote, all right. emote all over us emote on your... All over you. I have so many... I have a lot of feelings. So the NBA had their draft. They did the draft. Um, and they are currently in in trade. Free trade. Free free agency. Free agency. Thank you. 
Um, and the Warriors, having had, uh, how do we politely say, completely shit season last season, uh, were looking to mix things up a little bit. And they also, as a result of having had a completely shit season, uh, got the number two pick for the draft which they used to pick a guy that they had been talking about for a while. And I'm actually really happy with this pick. Um, so it's a young man. He's 19 by the name of James Wiseman. He's a center. They haven't really had a dedicated center in several years um, on the Warriors. Uh, center is, a, is the position on basketball where they stand in the center of the floor. Um, <laughs> well and they named. tend to be, yeah, right, descriptive. Uh, they tend to be big guys, uh, particularly very tall, um, and they often are the guys that you'll see either trying to dunk or blocking the hoop from people trying to dunk. So because that center position is very close and to the basketball hoop, and so they end up... Um, you want somebody who's big there who can prevent people from getting to it, but also somebody who's big enough to be able to get over the other team and then do useful things. Um, the Warriors have tended to have a rather smaller team with guys who move around a lot. That's been one of their hallmarks. Um, so getting James Wiseman, getting him young, getting a young center uh, is an interesting move and kind of speaks to a direction that they're going to have to go, I think. Um, he's sturdy. This is an, a thing with young players. You'll often get young players who have like just sort of sprouted up and tend to be a little, little on the skinny side. Yeah, gangly, gangly. Because exactly. they're still because they're still children growing into right. these enormous bodies. Literally, like picture yeah. you know a colt yeah. with that's like all legs, right? Like this yeah. is what your nineteen-year-old basketball players often are. Uh, yeah. James Weissman is not like he's he's a solidly built, very muscular guy. Um, is he thick? Hmm. <laughs> I haven't seen enough pictures to judge yet. Uh, he is, but he is 19, so it's not too wrong for me to answer yes, that question. Yes, two of us went right to Google for that. <laughs> oh, no, I was right. I was going to go to write down, is he thick as a potential title for the episode? <laughs> oh, bless. Um, but yes, do Google that, Rachel. Thank you. I would not classify him as thick. Yeah, okay. I think he's just he's just solid. You okay. know, like he's right. he's muscular. Okay. He's, you know, he might get to thick in like another five, ten years. Okay. Um We're watching you, kiddo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His great hair. I will give mm -hmm. him that. Confirm. Really good hair. Yeah, yeah. Uh but he it, it one of the interesting things uh about him is that he was at first and I didn't read enough of this to know exactly all of the details, but he was at first on people's radars, like a really good pick, but then he ended up not playing hardly any of this past year's college season. Um, and so there wasn't a lot of film of him, like very, mm. very little film of him. And of course, film is what people have depended on this year because you couldn't go see in-person games, right? Mm -hmm. So the Warriors had been thinking about him for a long time. They liked what they saw, but what they saw was very little, right? Um, and I think other teams ended up just basically deciding that like there wasn't enough to go on um, and they wanted more. The Warriors did end up... Um, they did a Zoom interview with him at some point over the summer. He apparently acquitted himself well. He's very mature. He, you know, savvy about talking about the organization and what role he would want to play in it. Um, 
about the other guys on the team. He has been living or, or spending time in Miami where I guess there's a, a like a, a gym that's not a specifically affiliated with the NBA, but where a lot of NBA players go to practice and like play non-official stuff. So he's been playing pickup games with a lot of NBA players, which is a good way to stay <laughs> in practice as a, yeah, as a potential rookie. So then uh, some of the Warriors staff went and observed him there and like watched some workouts and like talked to him and really liked him then. So this was not a surprise that they picked him, um, but I I like it. I liked, and the reason I like it is because I think it does speak to where they're going to try and go with the team, which I think is a good plan. And I also like that they stayed the course because one of the things that I think is very easy to do as a team, when you've had a completely shit season, is to sort of throw up your hands and go, we have to remake everything. Yep. But they're not doing that. They're looking at what they have, and they're being strategic about it. And I think James Wiseman made sense at the beginning of all of this, and he still makes sense. And I'm glad that they have have sort of stuck to their guns on that, in a way. Um, you know, he's 19. He's got He's got areas to improve. Uh, they are going to be investing in his defense, um, but he shoots well. He's fast for his size, which is always a plus. Um, he Did you say how tall he is? Seven one. Holy oh, hell! Yeah. So, Rachel, if you want to Google another thing uh, to <laughs> post on our Twitter, he went to a Stephen Curry basketball camp while he was in high school, so like a couple of years ago, and there's a terrific photo of him from 2018 standing next to Steph Curry, who, as we have mentioned before, is like normal people-sized, and by normal people-sized, I mean 6'3". You mean, yeah, short for basketball. Tall for a, yeah, tall for a normal person, short for a basketball But like player. within the realm of normal people, yeah, like yeah, you yeah. meet some 6'3 guys, like on a regular, semi-regular basis. I mean, it's maybe eight uncommon. months ago, but not now. <laughs> well, okay, <Yep>. fair. <laughs> I'm but, sorry. But, uh, but James Wiseman, of course, is like a full head and shoulders taller than Steph Curry, and the photo Indeed. is just hilarious. <laughs> if you want to drop that in the chat. <laughs> um. So I'm really happy about that. I hope that that pans out for him. One of the really big question marks is going to be how much of a difference he can make right away, which is a lot of pressure for a 19-year-old who hasn't played an official basketball game in more than a year. Um, but, you know, he seems to, based on all the interviews I read and like based on what people are saying about him, he seems to at least, you know, have a handle on what this is all about and how to how to deal with it. Um, which is huge. So mm -hmm. fingers crossed for him. Uh, they picked up a so, couple. Yeah. I just had a quick question. Yeah. Cause yeah. I don't know how this works at basketball. Does, is he going to spend any time in like the G leagues first or does he go straight no, to the, he goes straight. So yeah. So as with hockey, I think in basketball, um, most of your upper level picks are just going to go straight into mm -hmm the actual system. The lower down picks, you might put them on what's called a two-way two, two -way contract where they play mostly with the G League, but then also some with the actual NBA team. And then your lowest round picks would go straight to your G League team for development. Um, gotcha. But no, he, James Wiseman, I mean, he may even be a regular starter. Just like I was going to say, I mean, may. the Warriors can definitely use him. <laughs> yep, right yeah, away. Pretty much. <laughs> I think it's very, well, so in hockey, it's very common for your, for the first overall pick 
to go right mm-hmm. into the league and probably the first, the top three. Um, I would just say after that, it depends on the team. It depends on the position that that kid, that child plays, um, mm-hmm. where the team has holes, things like that. Because Miro Haskinen was drafted by the Stars a couple years ago. He was either second or third. Um, and he went and played in the AHL for at least a year before coming up um, to the NHL. Uh, and it was just because the Stars were okay in that in that mm-hmm. area. They didn't mm-hmm. need him immediately. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is, yeah, pretty common for those top few guys to go right to the league. I think with the NBA, it'd, it'd be even more than just the top few. I'd say it's the top 20 or 30 probably just go straight into Like the whole it. first round. I mean, often round. they're bench warmers. You sure, know, sure, sure, sure. But, but would be straight into the actual NBA and not into the G League. Uh, but as you say, it does depend on the team and who they've got and what they need. Um, you know, if pick five is picked by a team that's pretty well up and they just want him because he's really good, maybe he does go to the G League while pick number 32 is desperately needed by a losing team. Right. And yeah, yeah. So that's guy number one. They also picked up a couple couple guys who I'm not familiar with, but seem fine. Uh, Wanamaker or Wanamaker. I'm not, I'm not sure how to correctly pronounce that. He's a, he's, he's a veteran and he is described as a crafty bench player. Um, everything I read about him basically said it's a really solid piece for the Warriors to pick up. He's not going to be a star, but he might be a really good bench anchor. What is um, what is what do you mean by a bench player or a bank good bench question. Yeah, because so, I hear that and I've heard bench player before. I just imagine like he warms the bench super right? well. Right. right. <laughs> or like he, he sits on the bench nice and he will catch the ball for you. <laughs> <laughs> no. So basketball teams consist of usually fifteen players. You can have fewer than fifteen players. You cannot have more. Um and at any given time there are five players on the floor, no more, no less. Uh, so anybody who is not currently on the floor sits on the bench. However, that's not technically what a bench player means. Bench player means everybody under the starting five. Um, mm-hmm. So every game, okay. most teams will have an established rota of like five guys who will start every game and then usually like a sixth or seventh who will be your most likely to be added to that group if for some reason one of the starters is out, right? Unless you're the um, 2020 Warriors and they just drew straws, I think. Exactly. <laughs> so, but this is actually a thing that Steve Kerr does is that um, he likes to mix up his starting rotation. It's relatively uncommon. And he does it because he thinks it gives other people more experience and that makes them more reliable, generally speaking. Um, he's all about getting people experience and getting people in so long as it's not hurting their chances to win. Um 2019 2020 I think we had every possible starting five combination (laughs) you could have out of 15 players just in case something worked just in case something worked yes exactly um so a bench player is usually guys six through 15 um you'll often hear about the sixth man in basketball and he is sort of like your most reliable player after the top five sometimes You'll hear like guys six through eight. Those are those are those guys, right? They are who. If one of your top five is out, you plug one of them in, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. 
They're also often called upon, guys six through eight are often called upon to lead the sort of second rotation. So um, you send your starting five out at the beginning of the game. They play usually the first quarter, maybe some way into the second quarter, but then they need to rest, right? So then you have to bring in some of your guys off the bench. And usually you'll have sort of a first rotation and a second rotation. And the second rotation will be anchored or captained by the 6th, 7th, 8th, one of those guys. So Andre Iguodala is one of the most famous 6th men, and he was on the Warriors. And one of the reasons he was so incredibly valuable was that not only was he a really smart player in his own right and on many other teams would have been a starting player, but he was very capable at running that second rotation. And so when Steph Curry would come off the floor um, or Draymond Green would come off the floor, because Steph and Draymond are very smart players and they usually run the starting five, uh, Andre could step in and fill that role. Um, so so this guy, Wanamaker, um, Wanamaker, don't know, um, is is in the mold of one of those guys. Okay. So, And the Warriors really need that right now. Um, they had Andrea Godala, they had David West, they had Sean Livingston, who were all three very clever, very crafty, seasoned players who could fill that sort of like come off the bench and contribute and hold the floor kind of role. And they haven't had that recently. So getting if this guy pans out well, that'll be a really valuable add for them so that once the stars come off the floor, they're not immediately losing ground. Right. Right. Um, The watchwords that I saw for him were tough and reliable. So and the Warriors could really use some reliable. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm 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 optimistic about him. I really I really don't know much, but but he sounds by all accounts like a really good pickup. Um, they also picked up another uh, guy in the draft, Nico Mannion, who's going to be a two-way pick, so he will mostly spend time in the G League, but then also play some games for the NBA. Um, and then if they need him, they can call him up. Um, but that brings us to the Warriors' big news, which hey. was announced two hours before the draft. Um, Clay Thompson, my my favorite Warrior, and many people's favorite warrior because he's fucking amazing. Uh, well, back in the 2019 championships, if we go way back, many, many years, <laughs> spring of 2019. Almost decades. Almost decades <clears throat> to the spring of 2019. Uh, the Warriors were in the final round of the NBA finals. Um, they were playing in game six. They had lost Kevin Durant to a terrible injury a couple games previously. Clay Thompson was playing the best game possibly he's ever played. He was incredible. And he uh, tore his ACL. Ouch. Yeah. And kept trying to play for a little while. Yeah. Uh, Sounds about right. Was, yeah, that's, that's Clay Thompson for you. And in fact came jogging back out of the tunnel after he'd left the court because he had to take two free throws because nobody else was able to take them because he was, I I can't remember the details, but he was the one who had been fouled. And if he didn't take them, then they were just forfeit. So he came out, ran back out up the tunnel, tried to convince Steve Kerr to let him keep playing. Yeah, and everybody, I was watching that game and everybody was like, oh, maybe he's not horribly injured because here he comes. And then Because here he comes. (laughs) No, no, tore his ACL. That's that's just Clay Thompson for you. Before he tore his 
ACL, I think he had missed 12 games in his career, something ridiculous like that. He has not played since, of course. He was, he's been rehabbing. He had surgery. He's, he'd gotten all the way back up in his rehab. He was playing in scrimmages. And one of the things that everybody was really looking forward to is they're going to have Steph Curry back because, of course, Steph Curry was out with a lot of injuries last year. They were going to have Clay Thompson back. They have Andrew Wiggins, who they added last season. They are adding uh, James Wiseman. They still have Draymond Green. It was looking real good. And then somehow Clay Thompson tore his Achilles. And he is now out for the 2020-2021 season. Do you know, was it the same leg? That's what I was no. going to ask. No, it's oh, his opposite oh. leg. Oh, which I'm not sure is whether like, it's better or worse. I, did, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, like it's probably medically better, but emotionally worse, I guess. I don't know. Oh. And apparently it was just like he was just scrimmaging, like he was playing basketball. And But so the thing that I think is really interesting about this is that I, I suspect that this shows to a certain extent, like how hard it is on high level athletes who are used to competing all the time to then abruptly not like I'm sure his rehab mm-hmm. has been very good and I'm sure his physical therapy has been excellent because he's a high level athlete and they, but, but there's just a certain amount of like your body is used to, especially with clay, that daily grind of playing X number of hours every single day. And then you don't do that for, you know, a year and your body just can't quite compensate, you know? Yeah. So, he is going to have, in total, up to a 28-month absence, oh. which but is he's, a long he's time. He's served, like, 15 months of that. More than. Okay. Yeah, he's always I mean, it's served... still awful amount of time, but it's not, like, yeah, from now. It's no, another... no, no, not okay. from now. In total. In total. Yeah. Um, and... That's at the age of 29 and 30, which is like the prime of a basketball player's career. So you really get into, odds are he will not be the same player when he comes back. The question is, how close can he be? And if he's not the same player, can he be equally good, but maybe in different ways? Um, And that's just a huge question mark, right? I also... Really hope he has a very good therapist because I mean, yeah, like brain brain therapist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, brain therapist. Yeah. yeah, yeah, mental mental health person, professional. Because yeah. he really, you know, he he is one of those athletes that you know is an athlete because he really loves to play the sport. Right. Like he's mm-hmm. not a fame seeker. Like I'm, I think he enjoys being young and rich and famous. Like fine. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't begrudge him that. But, but you can tell for him, it's really about playing the game. the game and playing the game well and continuing to grow as a player and engage in that way. And I can only imagine that this is just devastating for him. Um, yeah. So that's so do, that. do either, do either of you know anything about ACL injuries versus Achilles injuries? I really don't. No. Okay. So I, I looked it up. I didn't want to, you know, if either of one of you have like secret medical experience, I didn't want to sp- step mm-hmm. on your your experience. But I just did a quick Google because I was like, I was having one of these thoughts like, like, is the ACL and the Achilles two different things? It's a or are thing. they the same thing? Yeah. Right? No. So your your ACL is a ligament. First of all, your ACL is a ligament and your Achilles is a tendon. A tendon. Yeah. So an ACL 
connects one bone to another mm-hmm. and a tendon connects a bone to a muscle. Mm-hmm. So if you destroy the continuity of your ACL, you still have three other ligaments to help hold it semi-stable. Mm-hmm. Um, you can still walk, but not well. But if you mm-hmm. destroy the continuity of your Achilles tendon, you can no longer push your foot down, which means you cannot walk because you can't push off the ground with that foot. Right. And that's that's from a uh, somebody who says that they're a former emergency doctor. I've not done a lot of research on this. I did a quick <laughs> ACL uh-huh. versus Achilles. Yeah. but So my understanding in terms of basketball is that the Achilles tendon, and, it, and this matches what you're saying, is really a problem for jumping. Um, and, and running, obviously. Yeah, but so, walking. Right. Um, but in terms of basketball players who jump, that's really, you know, that's, yeah. that's a big piece of what they do. Yeah. It'll be an interesting one for Clay because he does jump when he puts up shots, but he's not, he's not a dunker. He's not somebody who, like, necessarily relies on getting high off the floor regularly it's more just a part of how he shoots okay so he might have an easier time adapting you know if he does end up with some limited usage of it or whatever he may end up having an easier time than some other guys would Mm -hmm. maybe we'll see Mm -hmm. i don't yeah i don't know well and rachel i think you were starting to say this the acl is knee yeah yeah so the acl is um, it's the ligament that bonds together the upper and lower parts of the leg at the knee. So it stabilizes the the knee and limits the rotation and forward and backward motion. Um, so I think the fact that it's knee versus ankle is also going to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. Now, if one of our uh, 15 listeners, I'll go up to 15 <laughs> now, uh, is a is a sports medicine person or a doctor or veterinarian, I don't know, and has <laughs> has experience with this and wants to chime in and explain to me how I'm wrong because I've Googled for 12 seconds, please do. Well, so my brother tore one of these. Um, I think it was his ACL. I don't remember for sure. Um, it's and a I fairly common I... sports injury. I feel like yeah, Achilles well... is a little bit less common. It is, and that's definitely not what he did. Um, it was definitely a, 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 it was an acronym thing. I think it was an ACL. <laughs> could have been the um, MCL. It could have been, yeah. Uh, he, I th- think it happened twice. I know it happened once a while ago, and I think he did it again. And he is, he's not a sports person, but he's certainly athletic. Um, he stunts. He, he stunts, exactly. Yeah. So, Isaac, I have no idea if you listen to this, but if you do, uh, feel free to, to let us know what your experience with, with this was, because I genuinely, you know, like I've had other kinds of injuries, but not this kind. And I don't know what the, you know, what, what that's the recovery from that is like. Um, so, but yeah, I don't. So, so poor Clay Thompson God, yeah. It's yeah. very sad. And the other thing that uh, is really a problem is that, you know, the Warriors have had this championship core of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. For a while, they had Kevin Durant. And they're all getting older, right? Which time comes for us all. <laughs> for for whom does, does the bell toll? It tolls for thee. Um, 
Steph Curry is like, I want to say he's either 32 or 33 now. Draymond and Clay both just turned 30 or about to turn 30. Um, you know, this is one of those things where by the time Clay is back and healthy, they are all on the downward slope of their careers. Even if they manage to stay good for another 10 years, like it, it, time is ticking, right? Like just realistically for these athletes. So there's all been a whole lot of talk of that's it. We've seen the end of this era, which sucks. Um, and maybe true, may not be. We'll yep. see. But okay. But as a as a Capitals fan mm-hmm. in the in the OV era in 2016 and 17, they were saying the window is closed. This right. it's never going to happen, and they won in right. 2018. So yeah, it's certainly still possible. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah. it is not. Don't don't close given. the door on it. I I certainly am not. Lots of people are. Yeah, I am not. I believe particularly in all three of the thing that I believe most in. I think is that all three of them really want this, and so there's been this sort of sense of like, okay, so say Clay gets through all his rehab really well you know, are Draymond and Steph still going to be available? Because Steph's had a lot of injury problems over the years. And like Draymond in particular is a very physical player, which means that it's, uh, you know, he takes a lot of wear and tear. He probably won't play quite as long as Steph and Clay because he he ends up battered a lot more. Um, But I think they all want to do it. I think they all want to keep, and I think there's a lot Mm -hmm. to be said for that will of, really still wanting that Mm -hmm. so we'll see we'll see what happens yeah um bottom line there is no replacing clay thompson but uh that brings me to my next news the guy who's replacing clay thompson (laughs) (laughs) so his name is kelly Oubre jr and i'm actually excited about this um because i he's one of those guys where like i don't follow a lot of other teams very closely at all but when I would see him play, I would go, oh, that guy's kind of, like, I like him. I like what he's doing. Um, he's relatively young. I think he's 25. He's played on the Wizards and the Suns. Um, so we saw him, Rachel, when we went and saw the Warriors play the Phoenix Suns. He, okay. was, he was one of their star guys. Um, and, you know, he's no Clay Thompson, but he he, he might do okay. Uh, he's an efficient transition scorer. He's fast. He is working on becoming more reliable on his three-point shot and on his He's defense. got good hair, too. <laughs> He's also got good hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he seems like a he seems like another smart, reliable guy, which I'm really into. Um, so what we're looking at for next year is we're going to have Steph back. We'll have Draymond. We'll have James Wiseman, who's a new guy. We'll have Andrew Wiggins, who they picked up last year and have not really had a chance to do much of anything with because plague. Um, But they picked him up thinking that they can sort of rehabilitate is too strong a word for him, (laughs) but like make more of him than was being made of him elsewhere. And Kelly Oubre Jr. I think is another one of those where they think they can really like he's already pretty good. They think they can really develop him into something terrific. And if they can manage to, like, if those five guys play well together, and if they've got, you know, a couple solid bench players, you you know, they I still think, I don't know that I would bet on them to come out and win the championship, but I think they could, they could have a very solid showing in the West if things go well. Um, there's a lot of question marks. Wiggins is a question mark. Oubre Jr. is still kind of a question mark. Wiseman, bless his heart. 
this rookie year is going to be insane because <laughs> yeah. people have not played in so long. There mm-hmm. is no summer camp and you start playing live on TV within six weeks of being drafted, mm-hmm. which is like, that's just so ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so there's a lot of question marks there. Um, but it, it, it could be, it could be good. Um, I took a brief look at some of the other teams in the West just to, you know, who are they picking up and what are they doing? And and I have three notes here uh, on my notepad. Lakers. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Blazers. Interested eyeballs. Okay. And the Clippers. Hmm. Uh, So. So these are our predictions for the season. These are our predictions for the season. The Lakers managed to get better. They, of course... Uh, won the previous the championship last year. They still have LeBron James, who is timeless. Time does not come for him. The bell is not tolling <laughs> for LeBron James. I don't know. I mean, good on you, buddy. The bell tolls <laughs> yeah. for we and not for he. <laughs> not for the yeah. Uh, the Trailblazers, the Portland Trailblazers. These guys are kind of my backup team. They added some good pieces, um, and they really battled it out this last year. So they could, I, I might have to start paying more attention to them if the Warriors aren't doing very well. Um, is Steph Curry's brother still on the Trailblazers? He's not still on them, no. Okay. Or at least he wasn't last I checked. Um, the Clippers, I don't love. I, I I, mean, this falls under the general policy of fuck LA. Minus <laughs> LeBron James, who I legit respect. Um, but, but they have added to their lineup after petering out last year because, frankly, Kawhi Leonard is overrated. Everybody keeps talking about him as though he's this amazing player, and I have been hearing that for three years now and have yet to see it show up. Uh, so, But they added more people to be with Kawhi Leonard to maybe try and make him look better. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I We'll really, see how that goes. I really wish our listeners could see your face during yeah. that segment. I'm not sure that your tone adequately conveyed the the emotion you were feeling in that moment. I would love to see that. Was, that was just that for us. A split screen where on one hand, on one side, she's talking about Clay Thompson. On the other side, yes. she's talking about Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well somebody who somebody who has the power to screen cap that's on you guys (laughs) not it um well on that note i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and move us along nancy unless you had another piece of warriors news i have one tiny piece and then i will let you move us along and that's just that sean livingston who i have always loved and thought was terrific is now a warriors exec because he retired from the warriors team and i'm just gonna gonna ask you about that yeah because he was he was an older player, had been through a lot. Older. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, in the, yeah, the no, he, vortex yeah. of professional, he's, sports. you know, only one or two years younger than we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's basically yeah. dead. He's yeah, yeah. I mean, one foot in the grave, just clearly. used up. Uh, yep, <laughs> thrown away. No, Sean Livingston, I love him. So he's he's uh, an Illinois boy. He he grew up. He's, you know, he's our age mate. He grew up near where I grew up. And he's got a real sort of challenging story because he he was a terrific player. He came into the NBA and then very early in his career was in a horrible accident. Um, They thought he might not ever walk again. Wow. Let alone play basketball. Wow. And he dragged his way back through rehab managed to get back into the NBA. Well, I mean, like, I don't think they had kicked him out, but, like, they didn't think he would be playing again. Um, 
worked his way back, jumped around on a bunch of teams, and finally ended up on the Warriors, where he was a really solid contributing piece for several years, was involved in the championships, and then, you know, retired. He wasn't on the team last year, so I guess he retired after. Time is meaningless. I can't remember if he was on the team in... I think he retired in this... I can't remember if it was spring of 2018 or spring of 2019. That's okay. In any case, he was off and then like the Warriors have brought him on as an exec. And I'm real happy because I think Sean Livingston is great. And I'm thrilled that he is continuing to be part of the Warriors. That's cool. That's my basketball news. The end. Well, I mean, you actually set us up for a really great segue um, talking about (laughs) new execs with with sports ball teams. So there were some there were a couple of really big um, pieces of diversity news or that's that's where I'm filing them um, in in sports executives. So Rachel, why don't you tell us about what happened in baseball? Sure thing. Well, uh, I get to brag on the Miami Marlins, which you know, of all the things I didn't expect to do in 2020, <laughs> we're so happy for you. It's it's a weird feeling. I I tell you. Uh, okay. So in case you haven't already heard the news, um, the Miami Marlins. Hired the first female general manager in uh, baseball, in Major League Baseball. Um, Amazing. Yes. Uh, Who knew the day would come? Yep. They keep reporting it is thought to be the first female general manager of any major men's pro sport, Um, which I thought the thought to be was... Feels like a confirmable thing. Yeah. Like, this isn't, you know, a a non-falsifiable statement here. Um, I heard a couple uh, mentions of there was a maybe in the American Football League when that was a thing, mm-hmm. um, there mm-hmm. was a female GM, but I couldn't find solid reporting on that one way or the other. Anyway, um, she has it's a woman named Kim Eng, a Chinese American woman. Um, she has been the highest ranking female baseball executive for a few years now. Um, as and part continues of her, to be so. Yes, as part of her job with the, the league itself. So uh, I'll give you a little bit of her resume. Um, she was born in Indianapolis, uh, raised in Queens, and then moved to New Jersey. Um, she played on the University of Chicago softball team. She was the captain, played shortstop. And then after college, she interned with the Chicago White Sox. Um, was very well liked in that organization. And um, by the end of the season, was promoted to a full-time position in their front office. Um, and before she was 30, she, uh, was hired as the assistant GM to the Yankees. I guess we'll forgive her for that. Um, (laughs) and then from there she went to the Dodgers again, you know, we all have those jobs in our past that we would just prefer never saw the light of day, you know, but these were both really good networking opportunities for her. (laughs) That's true. She met a lot of good people. So, uh, she was with the Dodgers from 2002 to 2011, and then after that, she uh, worked for the league itself, and she uh, was Senior VP of Baseball Operations for MLB since 2011. And um, during those years, she applied for uh, the GM position five times and was turned down five times in 05 for the Dodgers, in 08 for the Mariners. I mean, good on her for applying. Yeah. 09 for the Padres, 11 for the Angels, and 14 for the Padres again. Um, Ooh. it's kind of not known, you know, and she, she talks about it herself, you know, why her name was in consideration. If like she was, you know, what am I trying to say? You know, her name was in consideration so they could say they, you know, considered somebody who mm-hmm. wasn't an old white man. Right. Um, mm-hmm. 
But um, I, I read this great article about her on the Washington Post written by Candace Buckner that actually interviewed a lot of other women in um, in baseball operations, which was pretty cool that they didn't just talk to that is cool Ben. Um, but they did talk to her former, former boss with the White Sox, Dan Evans, um, who had a lot of good things to say about her. But I thought this one statement of his was interesting. I knew the challenges that she had gone through throughout her career, the harassment, the stigma, the glass ceiling. It's all gone now. Thought that was a bit of, oh. yeah, an interesting, mm. yeah. Mm. Um, because I don't Does he know think what the glass gone. ceiling is? Yeah. Does, does um, he know what the stigma is? <laughs> either for her particular future career or for women in mm-hmm. the business of baseball. Or um, Asians or Asian women. Yes. Yeah. Uh, to think that, you know, all mm. of that stops because she has this position god wouldn't that wouldn't that be what a world that would be like if she reached that position and then it did just all stop it just all went away well it's like you know what people assumed was going to happen after obama was elected president that racism oh yeah racism is gone Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's done (laughs) totally yeah yeah solved yeah anybody who listens to this podcast know that knows that racism is over (laughs) (laughs) yeah fortunately we don't have to talk Uh about that anymore Um, yeah (laughs) yep done yeah put a pin in, in case but. we do have some first-time listeners this is us being wildly sarcastic yes <laughs> <laughs> thank you for clearing yeah. that up rebecca <laughs> and and anyway for so for some context um major league baseball's first female assistant general manager was hired in 1990 and at the time there was a ton of talk about oh you know this is it we've broken the glass ceiling for women now. oh yeah 30 years <laughs> between the hiring of the first assistant gm and the the first GM, female GM. So, so really, it was—it's more like a pinprick in that glass ceiling. Yeah, like not even, not even like a, a pebble hit it on the road. It's like <laughs> just the tiniest of structural. I, I person managed to, to phase through. Yeah, I, I have to. I have to take us into political memory here for a second, though. <laughs> Please, just because we're talking Please. about glass ceilings. And with the re- results of the, the recent presidential election, regardless of all of our individual feelings about the Democratic Party, which I suspect do actually vary to some degree, um, I feel confident that we all probably voted the same way. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh I have to say Kamala Harris, having Kamala Harris as the VP when she came out and gave her speech, like that was deeply moving and obviously like racism is not solved. Sexism is not solved. But I then saw on the internet this quote that I don't know if it's real, but it was attributed to her. And it was a picture of like shattered glass. And it said, uh, you know, attributed Kamala Harris. And it said, ladies, wear your shoes. There's glass everywhere on the floor. <laughs> and like, I, yeah, exactly, Rebecca. Like that was the the feeling it gave me. I yeah. was just like, fuck yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. You know, um, I have no idea if she actually said that. But, but it was a really good, just like one sentence visual meme, you mm-hmm. know? So, so you're entirely correct, Rachel. Like, whose glass ceiling is shattered now? Surely not all of them. How shattered is it versus how cracked is it? But there is also something, there is a slight piece of reality there of like, 
okay, but like now we've done the thing, right? Like now we have this female vice president. Now we have this female GM. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I certainly don't want to take done, away from that. Not no, I don't think you do. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Um, so it does look like she did actually say that. <gasps> That's exciting. Yeah. What's the actual exact quote? Uh, Let's not get that deep in it. It just looks like she actually said it. Okay, cool, cool. Wear your shoes, ladies. There's glass everywhere. Very nice. And if you go onto Tee Public, you can get a mug and a sticker (laughs) and a shirt and a mask. I think I'm good. A mask. You can get a mask with that on it. I don't know why you can't get shoes. I looked into getting us some foul puck masks at one point. I don't think I ever mentioned that. That would have been really cute. <laughs> um, okay, well, speaking of quotes, I will end with one that actually doesn't have anything to do with her, but I found it in a different uh, Washington Post article, which described the Marlins as a team with a strong core of young players and an enviable staff of prospects, but also a checkered history of talent sell- sell-offs and a questionable commitment to winning. Oh. Is that not the best <laughs> euphemism you've ever heard? A questionable Ouch. commitment, commitment to, winning? to winning. That's <laughs> ouch. Hi, That's... I want that on a t-shirt too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, can't wait to see what uh, Kim Ang does with the Marlins. That's yeah, that's terrific. I hope she does. Like, I hope they come out and kick everybody's ass next year. Like, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Well, because, you know, it's like the thing with with female led movies. Mm -hmm. If the female led movie sucks, Mm -hmm. it's people say, well, that's because nobody wants a female led movie. Mm -hmm. It's -hmm. not because the script is terrible or the filming is terrible or the acting is terrible. It's just because women or the marketing budget wasn't as big. (laughs) Right. Right. So so the Marlins have to do well. In order for yeah. women to ever have another chance in the next yeah. thirty years, yeah, one woman in the has to carry the weight of all women. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Fortunately, we have Sue Bird, but but yes, your it's point true. stands. Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's still very exciting. So um, in hockey, our our diversity news: um, not a woman, which is not surprising because hockey is way, <laughs> way, way behind on the sexism. Um, but the Florida Panthers just hired um, the what we believe is the first black <laughs> assistant GM in NHL history. And I laughed when you said that about Kim, because that freezing is in every article about Brett Peterson being hired by the Florida Panthers that mm, we believe yeah. he is. And, you know, I was I was saying this to somebody else and. Their response was, in a league that has a stat for the first guy to score a goal while his dick hangs to the left in a red jock with a blue band, you'd think they could know that with some certainty. Yeah. I mean, I would say maybe that one's a little bit more plausible because in the sense that not everyone in the past history of hockey has necessarily been, you know, put their racial identity out there for everyone, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. In the same way that yeah. it's, it's assumed that people have done with their gender identity. Not, right. That's a fair statement to make. But I just, I, still, you know, I would be, it would be shocking for the NHL to not have already touted the previous right. black AGM in history. Mm-hmm. Like, if you see anything having to do with black hockey players, you see Willie O'Ree, who was the first black hockey player in the league. 
Um, and you know, now we have like 30 of them. Um, <laughs> one per team. Right. Yep. <laughs> no more. <laughs> um, so, so it just, the cynical part of me that knows the NHL as a, as a business believes that if they, if they knew about another one, they would be mm-hmm. shouting right. it from the rooftops. But you do mm-hmm. make a good point that some of these, um, some of the cultural and ethnic identity is not always obvious. Well, yeah, in this for example, that um, that uh, Kamala Harris is not our first non-white vice right. president. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. That um, there was, of course, you know, I don't know his name off the top of my head, but there was uh, a Native American. Eighteen hundreds. Yes. Right. A guy who was a member of a tribe in the yeah, yeah in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, do we think? that the phrasing of these announcements reflects a sensibility no. of, of, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's not. And that no. was the same conclusion I got to. And that was why I didn't say it. No, no, <laughs> I, I like, would know that's too much benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I would love it, but I don't actually believe that the, at least the NHL, maybe MLB has more sensitivity in this arena, but I do not actually believe yeah. that the MLB ha- no, or the NHL has sensitivity to that well definitely for the mlb i mean it, they weren't saying it's she's definitely the first female gm in the mlb right they were saying at all of pro sports which i guess i can understand right. there's not like a list somewhere of every assistant gm or and uh, gm right. of every Are we sure about that and that's no. got to be on wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> yeah did anybody ask wikipedia he knows <laughs> so anyway so i do want to say does Brent, lonnie so- listen to this show hey lonnie <laughs> So, this is our friend who works for Wikimedia. Oh, oh, nice. Um, so Brett Peters, nope, Brett Peterson um, is the Florida Panthers' new assistant general manager. So way to go, Florida. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, Florida's knocking Woo-hoo! it out of the box on this. Yeah. Don't get to run into Florida sports a whole hell of a lot. Yeah, yeah <laughs> frankly, Florida owes us, generally speaking, as a country. <laughs> so it's true. So, um, Brett Peterson played hockey in, um, college for Boston college. Um, he played a little bit in the AHL in the international hockey league, but he has been a, um, certified NHL player agent and working in, um, um, like media and marketing of hockey with the company that he's been with for a number of years. Um, so he's been in the hockey world, um, around hockey people, um, and part of his role as assistant GM is going to be working with the team's community-based programs. So he has to know the sport and he has to know the players and stuff, but he also has this other focus, um, of the, the community-based activities. Um, so I think, I think that'll be, that'll be interesting. That'll be good. Like the Panthers are one of the ones maybe the only ones to come out after the Parkland shooting mm. a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they are, they like, are based out of uh, Miami as well. I was thinking it was South Florida. Yeah. But yeah. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, their, their longtime goalie, Roberto Luongo, he gave an impassioned heartfelt speech because that that's their community. Like mm-hmm. they're in sunrise mm-hmm. and Parkland is their community. And so, um, so having somebody of color as part of a community um, engagement 
program is probably a really good thing. Like that's yeah, probably that's, where yeah, great. the Panthers are like actually making a strategic move. Hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good kind of exciting. Them. Yeah. Um, and a, a completely random hard left turn here. As I was looking up information about this guy on some site I was on, there was a, um, you know, a read more below the cut and the headline was um, Derek Jeter's $29 million house in Tampa is up for sale. And then when I got into the article, it turns out that he does have one renter, Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Derek Jeter is Tom Brady's landlord. His landlord. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, I'm kind of <laughs> into that, honestly. Like, that's kind of... No, it is it is more house than any fifteen humans need, much less one. Yes. Right. Um, but it is it does have some gorgeous views. Uh I did put a link to it in our notes so you guys can see it and I'll tweet a link of it later. But it just the image of like Derek Jeter knocking on the door, Tom, it's rent day. <laughs> it just it just brought me some joy. Just really brought me yeah. some joy, or or like the idea that the house is up for sale, and but Tom Brady's living there, renting it, and he's gonna <laughs> yeah, sell it out from under it. Yeah, Tom Brady's gonna clean up his dirty laundry before the yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah. Well, it's it's kind of exciting to have like a whole a whole segment on diversity news in sports, like good news, yeah, different sports, amazing. Good point. The, the fact that it's good news is a key component here. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, Rachel, I think you said you have a, a tale f- uh, from the Negro Leagues for us? I do. I got my brain back after the past, Yay! like, nice. six weeks. Of- Congratulations. Well done. I know. I'm still well I don't know how long mine. it's going to stick around, but, you That's know. Okay. You have, have it. have it. <laughs> So today, I'll talk about someone I've mentioned by name before, but we haven't gone into the first woman to play pro baseball, Tony Stone. Ooh. Okay. Since we're already talking about female firsts in baseball, let me tell you about the first woman to ever play Major League Baseball. Just as with the GM position, this first was also also accomplished by a woman of color, Marcinia Lyle Stone, better known as Tony Stone. So she was born in West Virginia in 1921, but her family moved to St. Paul, Minnesota, 10 years later. She grew up playing baseball with neighborhood boys and was reportedly sh- reportedly showed skill in multiple sports, including figure skating, tennis, and track and field. Dang. But baseball Jesus. was what she loved best, and she was eventually able to join the Claver Catholic Church boys baseball team. Her parents weren't thrilled, but they allowed it because it was a church activity. Valid. <laughs> hey, you know what? It got her in. You yep. know? At age 16, she went barns- barnstorming all over the Midwest and Canada with the Twin Cities colored... Giants. Mm. Oh my god. <laughs> Where she got paid $2 to $3 a game. And I looked that up and it's $36 to $54 in today's money. Not great. Wow. Yeah. So not, you know, not the worst. And how long is a baseball game? Uh, three Five to four hours. hours. Three to four hours. So yeah. that's, that's 10 bucks an hour. So it's yeah. less than, wait, what's minimum wage? What's well, less than some states' live. minimum wage? Yeah. yeah, more than others. I mean, I think nationally it's still like seven bucks or something. Seven twenty-five. Yeah. 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 However, during World War II, <laughs> sorry, 
That's okay. Her sister moved to San Francisco, and Tony followed her. For a time, she lived in the Fillmore District and worked odd jobs, including at a tavern where she met her future husband, an Oakland native named, get ready for this one, Captain Aurelius Pestia Alberga. I'm sorry. Captain? Yes. Although Captain Aurelius Pesha Alberga was four decades older than Tony and wanted to stay in the Bay Area, he encouraged her to play American Legion baseball. I mean, you know, sometimes you need a sugar daddy. Yeah. A sugar captain, excuse me. (laughs) Yeah. My bad. (laughs) He didn't go to captain school for eight years to be called (laughs) daddy. Daddy? (laughs) I mean, don't judge. Maybe he did. We don't know. (laughs) That joke fell apart before I finished. No, it didn't. It really didn't. It did not at all. I'm just saying, like, the Bay Area, like, we have an emperor. So, like, captain yeah. is nothing. I'm sorry. That's true. What? Emperor oh, Norton? Yeah. Emperor Norton. That's for another day, I think. <laughs> we'll save that one. <laughs> okay, let's put a pin in that one. Okay. Okay, so American Legion Baseball. This was an amateur league that was only open to teenagers, so 27-year-old Marcelia Stone became 17-year-old Tony Stone and played with the Good league as long as she was still a teenager. Age <laughs> is only a state of mind. Yep. And somehow, uh, she never got around to adding those 10 years back to her professional age. Good for her. Why should Who can she? find the time? Oh my god, I love her. <laughs> so from there, she played on a few Negro minor league teams, including the San Francisco Sea Lions and the New Orleans Creoles, before being signed by Sid Pollock to the Indianapolis Clowns. You'll remember Mm. Pollock and the Clowns from episode 25. Mm -hmm. Yes, I went back and looked it up. (laughs) In fact, Stone was hired to step into the second baseman's shoes just recently vacated by Hank Aaron, who had been signed to the Milwaukee Braves. Oh, wow. Yep. Now, she was hired as an unambiguous publicity stunt. Remember the history of the Clowns? Yes. Yeah. I drew record crowds for Clowns games at the times. At the time. And although a lot of her promotional biography was fabricated, her record wasn't. She's documented to have played at least 50 games and batted 243 that season. Nice. Alas, her major league career was short-lived. The next year, her contract was sold to the Kansas City Monarchs, uh, and she retired after the 1954 season. Uh, she moved back to Oakland to care for her husband, Captain Aurelius Pascialberga, uh, <clears throat> and apparently did an unbelievably good job because the man lived another 30 years uh dying at the age of 103 damn yes it's all that it's all that salty sea air (laughs) yeah and uh if his tombstone doesn't say a man whose life was as long as his name that is a terrible waste of a punchline (laughs) (laughs) however captain aurelius pescia was not likely the real reason she left pro baseball her male coaches and her fellow players treated her badly Uh, Although she took pride in facing their scorn with solid defensive playing, she was never really treated as part of the team. She wasn't even allowed in the locker rooms, and she once described it by simply saying it was hell. Mm. Mm. But although she left, I mean, she was she was playing in the late forties, early fifties, early fifties. I mean, can you imagine a a black woman in a men's locker room in the in the early fifties to begin with? Mm-hmm. Like that, there's a whole host of other things going on there as well. Mm-hmm. Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're still traveling around to towns where they're, you know, mm-hmm. not always mm-hmm. integrated. Stay nearby. And yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But although she did leave the major league, she kept playing amateur and semi pro ball well into her 60s. Oh, good for her. 
and she loved recounting the tale of the Easter Sunday in 1953 when she hit a home run off of star pitcher Satchel Paige. Nice. Though there's not a whole lot of evidence it happened when and where she said it did. However, there's no solid evidence to contradict it either. So let's go. It happened. Yep. (laughs) And she ultimately passed away in Alameda in 1996, only a few miles from where I'm recording this right now. Oh, dang. And much of this information comes from articles that reference Martha Ackerman's biography, Curveball, The Remarkable Story of Tony Stone, a book that is now on my own personal reading list. Uh, it's worth noting that the book was adapted into a play that premiered off-Broadway in 2019, oh, which wow. was written, produced, and directed by women. Hmm. Uh, and another interesting thing about it, nine black actors, corresponding to the nine players on a baseball team, played all the roles, even the white characters. Oh, uh, cool. They changed roles by uh, simply putting costumes on over their baseball uniforms, which I thought was nice. Oh, that's very that's cool. cool. Uh, the show then prepped for a run at San Francisco's American Conservatory Theater, where it premiered in mid-March. Oh, Damn it! I knew. Oh, I knew. Oh, I knew it. Yep. Oh. Yep. Because of the pandemic, opening night was also literally closing night. That <gasps> sucks. Yeah. No. But, so I don't have to end on a downer, I will mention that Tony Stone was nominated for the 2020 Dorothy Seymour Mills Lifetime Achievement Award by the Society for American Baseball Research, a.k.a. Sabre, which we talked about last time. Oh, yeah. Sabre metrics. Um, yes. She was uh, nominated alongside a woman named uh, Effa Manley, the first and only woman inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, who was mm-hmm. herself a also a trailblazing African-American woman, owner of the team who won the 1946 Negro League World Series, and someone who will probably get a future segment on our show. And nice. Effa Manley ultimately won, but I just thought it was cool that Tony Stone is still being remembered. That's that is cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to suggest, your your segment makes me remember a thing that I've been meaning to suggest, which is 2021 Foul Puck Book Club. Ooh, and that book yeah. seems like, you know, we pick like one a quarter or something, you know, mm-hmm. not like, not high pressure, but like, there's that. I have an auto, uh, a biography of Steph Curry I'd like to read. Um you know, like there's there's some yeah. other stuff, and I feel like we've mentioned some other books. So like maybe yeah. we could each pick one. We have also mentioned uh, movies and documentaries. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So 2021, let's let's make some some of that happen because okay. that'd be fun. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Patreon content for our uh, <laughs> <laughs> Patreon supporters for that Patreon we don't Patreon. have yet. Yeah. <laughs> for the Patreon we don't have yet. Exactly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If you want us to have us a, a Patreon, put $5 in an envelope and send it to <laughs> No, you're not allowed to send cash in the mail. <laughs> okay, money order for $5. Yeah. Or just, yeah, or or PayPal us. <laughs> you can email us at foulpuckpodcast at gmail.com if you want to PayPal us money. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for no sure. reason. Why not? Yeah. You know? You, you, uh, what is it? You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, to your point, um, I think before we started recording, Nancy, about this being a bit of a time capsule, this podcast Mm. being a bit of a time capsule, um, Mm. I, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. I mean, I know I've mentioned I work at a university. I work at the University of Maryland in College Park, Mm -hmm. Maryland. Um, and I mentioned that now. Only because we are we are one of the um, Big Ten schools who said we're going to put off football until the spring, and then they <laughs> right. were like, "Well, maybe, 
maybe we'll have it sooner because just a couple of games because we like money and we don't value people's lives more than we value money. Just um, a tip. <laughs> um, so the the Maryland has now canceled its second um, football game in a row because of a whole bunch of players. Something like. 14 or 15 members of the team got COVID, like members of the the athletic program got COVID, Mm. and eight of them were players. Um, And then the coach um, got it this week and is now um, isolating. Almost like it's a communicable disease of some kind. Almost. Almost. And almost like when you're you're around a lot of people who are breathing heavily and expelling (laughs) fluids from their mouth and nose, you... Might get it more easily. I don't know. Um, so, you know, it's just another another feather in the cap of COVID. I don't even know how to. It just it's just another another piece of evidence that that we tried opening up too early for all the wrong reasons. And mm-hmm. it's having consequences. And sadly, it's having consequences on. Well, I, I don't even want to qualify the people, but it's having consequences on people who don't deserve it mm-hmm. and who who are who are likely. I mean, I can't imagine anyone dealing with long covid, but, you know, these these student athletes who are 19 and 20 years old and invincible, the mm-hmm. idea of them getting long covid, not being able to play sports in their future Mm-hmm. It's just a little bit heartbreaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's all for revenue that's not going to come in because yep. we're having to cancel games and seasons. Yep. Mm-hmm. So nice try not ending it on a down note, Rachel. <laughs> I did it anyway. Well, Rebecca, I'm going to throw you a lifeline on that. Thank um, you. <laughs> because uh, so so basketball is, as far as I know, still currently planning to kick off on December 22nd. One of the Traditions for basketball is the Christmas Day games, um, and they really want to make that happen. So, I, I mean, I don't think it's yet quite settled what it's going to look like, like if they're going to have, you know, like baseball did, just have certain areas play each other most of the year, or if they're going to mm-hmm. make some attempt at a bubble. I don't think that's settled yet. Um, but I'm wondering if, if there's any hockey news on that front. Is there any sense of, like, when they're going to try and start or how they might try and start? Or is that just still a lot more complicated because of so many international players? Um, you know what? I'll be honest. I have not paid attention to it because every time I hear a little bit, it's changed from the last time I've heard a little bit. That's so right. I, I know that they're going through some of the same things, some of the same considerations as basketball is. I think mm-hmm. the the running plan right now or the running theory of the plan is to have like four geographically convenient conferences that um you know you travel between and it's likely Mm -hmm. that the the one is going to be in canada which is going to be separate you know from vancouver all the way to montreal which is not right. particularly geographically convenient, but it means no crossing borders. Yeah. Right. So um, you'd have Canada, East, West, and Central or something. Something like that. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Um, it's going to be somewhere between like a 40 and 60 game season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much still up in the air. They still mm-hmm. want to start January 1st, but okay. given that it's November 22nd, I don't know how realistic that is. 
Yeah. 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 So. It's going to be another weird season. I mean, there's no getting around it. Like, there's still no fans Mm -hmm. in the stands. There's still, Mm -hmm. you know, like. Well, I'm glad to hear that they're not talking about trying to put fans in the stands. No. That's... Well, well, I think some teams still are, but I don't yeah. think that the the leagues are. Yeah, I I think everywhere that that everywhere that there is a basketball team, I think at this point the cities wouldn't allow that kind of gathering mm-hmm. anyway. Um, and as far as I've heard, there are not any teams talking about it. I mean, I could, I it, there could be a team who has, and I just haven't heard about it because it's right. not a team I care about. Right. But I haven't really heard anything about that yeah well i i will keep you posted as soon as we know anything concrete yeah i gotta get my my sharks and and the kraken on my (laughs) on my calendar well and you know what you're picking up a good guy this year um oh yeah yeah um curtis gabriel um he played for the flyers um he's played for the devils as well he's a mid-20s he's a mid-range player he's fine um but he's mm-hmm. he got traded to the sharks or it might not have been a trade he might have been in a contract year but he's coming mm-hmm. over to the sharks mm-hmm. um nice. and he is a guy who um who put pride tape on his stick for pride oh, night good. and then and then was like well this is easy why can't i do this all the time and is like vocally outspoken about um about supporting LGBTQ athletes. Um, he's one of the one of the um, white players who has been vocal about Black Lives Matter um, and awesome. actually That's about really cool. talking about racial issues. So you're getting a really good one there. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm super excited. Yeah, good so human. There's our positive yes. note. Yes, good job, Curtis. Yay! <laughs> he's also real cute. Huh? Oh, good to know. A, a plus. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, on that note, um, I think we'll wrap it up here. Um, so I will prompt myself to tell you <laughs> where you can find us on the internet. <laughs> um, best places are Instagram at Falpuck Podcast and Twitter at Falpuck Pod. Um, you know, we're in we're in all the places, um, but those are those are the places we are most often. Mm-hmm. Okay, I would like to thank Joe for doing our editing and uh, Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for music. And I would just like to say that we are now on Spotify, so you can go subscribe there. And uh, you are invited and requested and strongly encouraged even (laughs) to give us a five-star rating and preferably a review on Spotify, on iTunes, on anywhere that you can do so. Um, You know, that helps us. It bumps us in the search algorithms, etc. This is how the internet works. Uh, give us some RTs, wreck us to your friends. We've got a steady but growing base of listeners, and we love you all. <laughs> every and, single and one of you. Yes. Every single one of you. <laughs> and and we want more. So just <laughs> spread the love. There's so much love to go around. It's true. Well, it's true. thank you all, and we will catch you next time on Foul Puck. Thanks. Yay.